And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Performance Zone. This is David Martin here with Pat Gross. And we've got some, we're going to continue along the 5D thinking. And we've been hitting a number of good subjects. So you can go back and check out some of the older episodes. Uh, we will make, be making those available in the members, special members area, which will cost you absolutely nothing for these particular calls, but to get in there and review them. Go back and check some of them out. There's some really, really interesting content. We actually did two weeks on focus because we felt it was that important. And today we're going to touch on the concept of thinking outside the box when, Pat? There isn't one. There is no box, right? <laughs> that's and um, that that is, that's an awesome, con- you know, well, let, let's start with just the whole concept of thinking outside the box, right? I mean, that's, it's become such a cliche, you know, that people all be, oh, I'm thinking outside the box. You know, they're always, it's kind of like, are you really though? Are you really thinking outside the box? When you think of just the concept of thinking outside the box, let, let's, because I want to get, tell people where we sit before we tell them where we stand. So like, what's your concept of just outside the box thinking? Your debt or your definition? For me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my definition. Well, I'm just saying my definition for, for, for outside the box thinking is the fact that there isn't one. Sorry, but that's where I come from. I think right. the box is something that's being constructed. It's an acceptance of norms. And therefore, right. when people talk about thinking outside the box, they're thinking outside of perceived norms. The key word there is perceived. Perception. Norms or even Perception. limitations. Yes. Right. They, and that, that's how I look at it. So when I think of thinking outside the box, it's like, all right, people, you know, I just want to suggest to people, think beyond what you think you're capable of. You know, if you think you can do five push-ups, try six. If you think you can walk for a mile, try a mile and a half, right? If you think you can earn an additional, you know, if, or, or make an additional, if, you, if you're good for 10 sales a month, why not try 12? And just, you know, because there's always, that's the thing that people don't get. There's always another level. And athletics is a great way to look at that. I remember when I was a kid, I think the, the, the hundred meter dash was maybe 11 seconds. The world record might've been, or 10 and a half seconds. And now, but every year or every couple of years, it it just keeps getting pushed and pushed. And now it's down into the nine seconds, right? I remember in the seventies, uh, as a kid watching basketball and if, um, a basketball team had a seven footer, that was a big deal. But now high school teams have seven footers because that's just things are constantly changing and constantly evolving. That's why I like the concept. When you said that, that one day we were talking, I forget exactly how it came up, but when you said there is no box and I love that, I just love that concept because there's, we have no idea what the limits of of our capabilities are, right? Except the ones we set on ourselves. Can I give you an example, just an example. And it's, it's there in a way. Um, I was at one of these professional development sessions. I can give you two examples. And I remember the, we were all into putting into teams. And, and this is what I'm trying to say is, and then we were given this question and he said to us, look, there's a rumor that um, the, the management are going to downsize and they're going to get rid of a couple of teams, that kind of thing. So then the teams had to sort of work together or each people in the in the teams to to try and come up you know why they should stay and, and which te- other teams should go blah 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 and I, I just remember just looking there and laughing 
because it because in my mind everybody was sort of they'd been put into this framework. So the framework is the box. Okay. And at the end when it came to the end of the se- end of the session and my team actually went with what I what I suggested. Uh, and we and uh, they came to it and he said, okay, so everybody went through all the reasons why and, you know, all through this because of this framework they were put. And I just turned around and said, you know what? It's just a rumour. So what's the point in the first place? <laughs> so it was not what he wanted, but that's just it. Sometimes you've just got to, instead of everybody sort of, you know, going like rats or mice straight down or lemons straight to the edge of the cliff and straight over. Sometimes you've got to go, what do we want to achieve? And there's another way of doing this. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, it's people get so caught up in if something like tradition or habits or, or this is one of my favorite because that's how we've always done it. Yes. Right. Cause that's how we've always done it. Um you know, again, you, you look at the way the world is right now and it's, it's, it's based on people going above and beyond that whole box concept of like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the Apple products. I don't use Apple, but I can certainly admire Steve jobs and what his vision was and, and the things that he created. Right. Um, and, and I like a simple way to tell the story. And I, I'm sure I've told you this before, but it's a story about the little girl who walks up to her mom and says, Mommy, why do we cut the ends of the roast off before we cook it for, for the holiday dinner? And the mom looks at the little girl and says, I don't know. Let's go ask your grandmother. So they go and the little girl says, Grandma, she says, yes, honey. Why do we cut the ends off the roast before we cook it for the holiday dinner? And the grandmother says, I don't know. Let's go ask your great-grandmother. So they go up and the three women together all walk up to the great grandmother and they say, hey, great grandma, why do we cut the ends of the roast off before we cook it for the holiday dinner? And the great grandmother says, well, that's simple. When I was a little girl, we didn't have a pan big enough to fit the roast. So we had to cut the ends off so that it would fit in the roast. It would fit the roast. And how that continued from the time that she was a little girl all the way through her great granddaughter. And that's how people... That's how a lot of people find different habits of the way they work or they're not capable of something or that's not possible. And, and they, they, they actually, from out of thin air, they're magicians, really, because from out of thin air, they create the box. Right. And it limits them. I it love, keeps them from moving. It keeps them it, from, from achieving. It's the same as Ford. You know what I mean? He, he, he could just build, you know, how do you build a faster horse? Yeah, and took the took the box away, took the thinking away, changed it completely, and you ended up with the motor car, you know, motor vehicles. It was only uh, <clears throat> just recently I was talking to somebody who asked my advice about doing some community consultation, and we're talking about the various themes and and what they were going to do. And I turned around and said, "You know what? What are we consulting about?" <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's a good idea. People want to do blah, 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 blah. This is the process. This is what we do. But right right from the beginning, ask yourself, what is it that we really want to achieve here? Once you're clear what the real achievement is, then it opens up 
pardon the pun here, like the Pandora's box. It opens up the box. You know, the box is no longer there. Put it to the side and look at things differently. It frees you. It makes you, um, it gives you energy. Right. And for, and that's where the innovator and the, you know, that's where the entrepreneurial thinking comes in as well. Because for entrepreneurs, there is no box. <laughs> uh, and, and I think one of the things that helps, and as, as we're talking about this, that pops into my head, you know, some people I notice the ones that have struggled in the past with the box thinking is that they don't have a clear vision anyway. They don't really know what they really want. They, they know what they think they want. But when you have that clear vision, it's easy to say, well, I'm not going to let this get in the way. I'm not. No, I'm just going to go. That's where I want to go. How do I get there? And when you, you, you can ask yourself the right questions. Well, I don't know, but if I did know, you know, you can play the game with yourself and ask yourself, play the little tricks on your mind. Cause when you ask yourself, when you speak to yourself in a certain way, your brain will find it. Your mind will find an answer. It will always seek to find an answer. So the question is what kind of, you know, is, are you asking it the right questions, the good questions, leading questions for yourself? If I could do this, how could I do that and enjoy the process? You can have a lot of fun with asking yourself questions and that absolutely destroys the box. Like it's, it's so funny. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a local, he's into commercial real estate here in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And he is, you know, there are people out there that think, well, you know, we're going to do this project and it's worth, it's a 250 or $300,000 small little shopping center. And this guy, he's like, no, I'm not dealing with that. I've got this project over here for this and this one for this. And he, he, before you know it, he's got a $20 million project going. He doesn't allow, and they're like, but you're from New Mexico. You can't, why, how do you know to do this? And he's like, I, I don't stop to think about it. I look and he, you know, I look and I see this vision. And if we did this and this and this, boom. And he was doing this like right out of college. You know, I asked him, I said, what, yes. did you study this in college? He said, no, <laughs> I just did it. Right. He did the, the, the great story is. <laughs> Well, no, he built a, a car wash. He looked at a model of when he was in college in a business class, he looked at a model of a self-service car wash. And so he built one when he got out of college. He said, okay, he got, he figured out how to get the money, how to get the property. And then he realized, well, if I was a realtor, then I could have bought the property and earned a commission myself. And if I was a contractor, I could have saved myself all this money building the facility. So he ended up at one point, having uh, four car washes, four different locations. And the second, the, the second, third, and fourth, he found, he became a realtor and a contractor. So he ended up doing, finding the land, negotiating the deal, building the buildings, getting it all set up and saving himself costs. So his profit was much, much, much higher. Now it gets better around when I met him in 2010, that was when the full on, after post 2008, nine, when the real estate markets over here went, you know, bellies up. <laughs> yeah. And for years he told me, he said, he listened to other people. He was doing all these big deals, real estate deals and doing stuff. And so people told him, you need to sell those car washes. Cause that's chump change. That's you're, you're making, you know, $500,000 on each deal right now. You need to get rid of those car washes. Talk about somebody who looked beyond, and, and sees the out, you know, that there is no box. These people had the, because of their arrogance and their elitism, oh, something as mundane and trivial as a car wash 
Ew, why, why would you even mess with that? Stay up here with the big boys. Well, when the markets crashed, all those big boys lost everything. He looked at this and said, those market, those car washes got me to where I could play at this level. Now all those guys are going broke. Those car washes kept him alive. They kept going. They People still kept washing their cars. They weren't buying big commercial real estate deals anymore, but they were still washing their cars. And that carried him through and helped him get, because he was able to look beyond what the, the I, I, like, I like to think of it as like an average mindset. That's average thinking. Oh, get rid of those things because you're playing with the big boys now. Hey, it's a revenue source. Keep it. It's self, it, they're self-service, so you only have to have an attendant on, on there once in a while. And then you just go pick up the money, make sure nobody's, you know, there, there's those kind of, there are certain issues in that sense. But yeah, it, it was a, that, and now because he felt like that, he made it through all that uh, difficult times that we all had in 2000, you know, not eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. He made it through and now his business is thriving. He's got a beautiful home up on the foothill, up in the foothills with great views of, of the sunsets here and out in New Mexico. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just all because he didn't get sucked into that thinking. He didn't get put into a box. And I, I just love, I love telling his story because he's just, he's, it's a wonderful success story. So that's what yeah, can happen the, when you don't think the, like that. The, mind, the thing to be mindful of is that um, we create boxes and sometimes we have to create boxes um, because people come to me, they come with a, because, because I do a lot of grant writing um and it's some of them just come to me with just an idea uh, a thought or something that you know something just like that and then I miraculously create the whole thing for them you know what it looks like who is going to be involved what are the steps what are the processes etc cetera, etc cetera. and by the time we finished we've got a business case we've got a formal business case because that's what society requires that's right. what funders require. It's all about reducing risk. But in order to do that, you know, I mean, I know how what the box should look like, but I like the freedom of going, oh, you, you know, you can't do it. I, I like to build it myself. I build my own boxes. I build the boxes for clients <laughs> because it gives me the freedom to do that. It's, and it's like a paradox. In order to do it, because if you were somebody who, was structured by boxes all the time to create a box for somebody else you're either replicating yourself okay or right. you're stuck with these concepts that, that that are not movable or it can't be done you know all those things those those barriers right. come to mind so you it's in, in order to do it properly you've got to come from that space of openness <laughs> well, yeah it's funny but to hear you say that right like you're coming from a space with no box so you can create a box for them because sometimes people are not, I guess that's something to consider is that sometimes people are not ready to be outside the box, but you can that's expand, great. you can expand where they are. And that that's, you know, so eventually they kind of get the idea like, Hey, there isn't a box, right? I can go beyond that. Right. You just, even, even if they have to have the idea that they make their box bigger when there's really no box, but they have to, but in their mind, yeah. they have to look at it like, well, I'm making my box bigger. It, it's it's semantic. and you should see it <laughs> again attending another workshop and another conference another event and uh, something that came to mind again and it was to me it was oh this is really interesting they talked about doing a, a simple task and the and the, the resources that you need to do the task 
could be teaching in a classroom, for example. Right. And what they would do is split the paper into groups and they would take something away. So they could, for one group, they'd take the teacher away from the classroom. Uh, they could take away the tools. They could take away the children. They could take away the desk. You know, they, they had all these. What they were trying to do was take, take something away from people's conce- conceived, this is what's needed to be able to do this, and get them to think differently. So they were te- tearing down the sides of the box to see how far people would go and how comfortable would, the, would they be and who were the ones who were most uh, acceptance of change. Because in order to work without the box, you've got to be acceptance of cha- accepting of change. That is because all we are is change, right? I mean, we're constantly changing. I mean, the fact that I crack up, it, it's like I've had to learn, I've had to change. Well, let's just look at the last couple of years, right? Since the, this whole craziness has started, right? This whole, or, or shall we say the... Um, the new rules have, have come into play. We've all had to change. I've had to learn how to do, you know, Zoom was not something I ever used before. Uh, technology is all becoming, it's, it's a much different ballgame, right? So we all have to change. And then that's going to, and that's the whole concept behind the acceleration factor is that accelerated change. You have to learn how to accept accelerated change because it, it, it's coming. I asked a friend of mine, the way change is coming. He told us in 1992-93 about, and he he's like um, even computer geeks, like super geeks, they look at this guy and they say he's in a world of his own. He's so far out there. And in 1992-93, this guy told us about wireless laptops and iPods and, and MP3 players before they even existed. And he was talking about um, houses being wired with cable so you could have on demand. He was talking about on demand movies and, and, you know, people were all getting excited about um, Netflix with sending DVDs and the blockbuster was a big thing. He said, Oh, forget that. That stuff's going to be obsolete. And so he talked about that in like eight years ahead of time. He said, 99, 2000, we're all going to have all this stuff in 99 and 2000. He said, everything that we've just seen happen is going to happen on your phone. And we're like, what, what do you mean? How is all this going to happen? And he's absolutely right. Now he said, probably it was like 2011 or 12 was one of the last times I spoke with him. And uh, he said that wherever we are now, technology, I said, where are we? What's coming next? He said, you won't believe me if I told you, but I said, so we must be at the steep part of the curve. He said, not even. We're, at, we're down here. The steep part of the curve's up here. He said, we're still down here building, building up to the curve. He said, when we hit the steep part, he said, it'll, it'll just, it's just going to go so fast. The kids are going to have no problem with it. He said, our generation's going to struggle because it's going to come and it's going to come at us so fast. I say that to be, to, to exemplify the point I've made on, on some of the other calls, the other, the other recordings, that like when Paul Zane Pilzer talks about we have to be able to adapt to change rapidly or else we're going to get left behind. Well, it's, I mean, just building what you were saying, actually, I don't know if you were, but Al Gore 
you know, the climate change person, um, also um, put out a report about the information superhighway back in the early 1990s as well. Everything that you were saying about this guy said, Al Al Gore was saying the same thing. Uh, And that was the reason I know that so well is because at the time I was working in the UK, uh, um, we were looking at at European innovation and I was organising conferences on cyber technology on the information superhighway. Uh, um, and um, and what we were doing there was breaking down those walls again of the box, you know, the box being the schools, bricks right. and mortar. We were showing people how to do satellite technology. Email was its infancy, but we were we were beginning to break those walls down. And as you say, you know, in the future, there may not be no walls. <laughs> well, it, it's kind of like from a marketing standpoint, right? I mean, email used to be the big, if you had a big email list, that was power. Now, people don't really open emails much anymore. Unless a, a, a guy said to me a couple of years ago, he said, social media is where the business is, is created. Email is where it's transacted. So that's where you, you email receipts. He said, you'll still always do that. But he said, it's where it's going to be transacted. So now, as you know, I'm working on a big thing right now with a with a texting platform because that's where that's where all the that's where the business is. It's in texting. People read maybe 12% of emails on the high side and 98% of text messages. So once we learn how to do that, and I'm I'm still figuring out how to do that, and at some point I'm going to have to look at well what's going to be beyond that. And social media is going to be well and what's going to be the social media platform because Facebook as we know is for the as my kids like to say the <clears throat> mature generations that's for the or as the old folks as sophie calls it um you know instagram is something that kind of bridges the gap but then the kids are all in all kind of different stuff with i mean i don't even know anymore what they're what they're using but um yeah we have to constantly so if you have a box running around you number one it's not going to let stuff in and it's going to prevent you from getting out in a lot of ways so the whole concept i guess the main concept is get rid of the box Give yourself a template, maybe give yourself a format, but just just understand that there's so much potential and don't put limitations on yourself. Well, interestingly enough, we t- you, the key there is innovation. For a successful biz- a business to be successful ongoing, they must keep innovating well, because people catch up. We've got examples of that of clients who were ahead of the game five, six years ago. Now everybody's doing the same and they're in the climate market. Uh, um, but the innov- <laughs> the whole point there is, and you see it now, and now is a good opportunity, is to think. This is how to, you know, thinking outside the box when there is no box. If we unpack that, first of all, we said there is no box. It's the box is what you construct, your perceptions. The key, the next word to look at is thinking. Because that's what we do. That's what we need to sit there. As you've just mentioned, you've got the social media, the Facebooks, uh, the emails. They've all had their day they're, you know, in the product lifecycle and all the rest of it. You, it's about what's coming next. Or what, you know, how do we think things through next? And that's the key because once you sort of do that, and look, you hear the likes of, you know, Napoleon Hill who says, you know, 10 minutes before bed at night, 10 minutes in the morning, you pose the problem, or not the problem, the question, not a problem, it's a question. You pose the question, and then your mind starts to take over and you'll come up with a solution. 
what you have to do in the first place is, as I said, you've got to be clear as to what that question is. So, you know, we're looking at the moving forward. We, we're all sort of rushed. We rushed down those, you know, like, for instance, the Facebook, the Facebook funnels, the email, every, and LinkedIn, social, you know, everybody's sort of like channeled. It's the thing to do at the time. Right. You know, like everybody, it's the lemons again, you know, rushing off the cliff. But what, what the key there is to just step back and go, okay, what's another way of doing this that nobody else is doing <laughs> right now? <laughs> well, and, and that's how people come up with these ideas like the funnels or everything else. It's right. They're asking the questions. They're looking beyond. And, um, you know, I'm thankful they do that so that I have things to utilize and I can, you know, I mean, it, it's makes, it makes my life easier. Like the cell phone concept, the whole, or the smartphone or the, when someone had a Blackberry and then said, what could we do beyond a Blackberry? Look what they're doing over there with Blackberry. What can we do over here at Samsung that goes beyond a Blackberry? Right. And then 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G. And, and I, I love here, especially because some people are so locked into their box they can't fathom and i got i got hit with this right in uh, 2005 i started going to mexico a lot and i i mean i'd lived, been there before and many times i lived there back in, in in the late 80s early 90s and um but in 2005 i met some people made some contact networking a little bit you know i was i was in uh speaking at a seminar in Ixtapa, met somebody ended up connecting when they got back to mexico city and i'm down there visiting and, and doing some research, right? Checking things out, meeting people. And uh, I had this brand new cell phone. This was, this was my part of the box that I was in was that we have all the best stuff here in the US. And I had my state-of-the-art cell phone that I had with my service. And in Me this is, again, this is Mexico. So I'm thinking, of course, they're behind us. And my friend looks at me and she says, What's that archaic thing you have in your hand? I was like, are you kidding? This is the latest state-of-the-art cell phone. She goes, no, it's not. And she proceeded to smash my box that I thought that we had all the cool stuff in the U.S. And Mexico, technologically with cell phones, was light years ahead of the United States. And then she proceeded to educate me, not just Mexico, but most of Latin America was ahead of where we were. And that my phone was actually considered, well, that's cute, but, you know, that's not the best. And I, then I realized that, you know, they were, they had like 4G before we did. They had 5G before we did, you know, and it's, it's like all the way through. And I thought, what's, what's going on? So I had to change my perspective and, you know, certainly had to, um, it shook me up a little bit. And sometimes that's what getting outside the box or destroying the box does is it, it's you know people you guys got to be aware if you're going to do this now you might be shaking up your own tree a little bit mixing things up and you might get uncomfortable why because there's stuff that's going to happen and it's going to be awesome but it might make you uncomfortable and that's okay to be uncomfortable being uncomfortable is what makes you change you remember the story about the dog right it's the farmer and the dog a couple couple sessions ago it's the same i think it was a couple sessions ago wasn't it what did we talk about yes. that yeah Thanks, and yes. you know the dog doesn't move, right? Because the dog's sitting on a nail and apparently it just doesn't hurt enough. We get like that sometimes because we get comfortable in how we're doing things. That's just kind of like, this is one of the aspects or one of the benefits I feel 
about no box thinking is that it shows you it's going to make you uncomfortable, but that's okay because that's going to move you. Well, for most people, for a lot of people, for some people, it's going to move them. There are going to be these other people who say, no, I need my box back, please. Let me let me get all the help, please. I want to go back into my box. I don't want to do this. And that's fine. That's fine. But if you want to excel, if you want to do something bigger, if you want to have those dreams, you're going to have to look at eliminating the box. I've just uh, had this thought. You see, one of the things I do, I've done it for now what, back in the UK and here. I used to look in the European um, News, news, newspapers daily for what's coming out of the European Commission uh, in terms of the new policy directions, all the process. Even in Australia, working government, you know, I get involved in the consultation and the, and the processes. There's always going to be a policy document somewhere. And from policy, that's where the money flows from government. Uh, and, and that is what I used to do is I would look at, and I still do today, is look at what's coming out and that and give it gives you an indication of where the grant funding is going to be, and therefore that gives me that little bit of a edge of understanding what the government is looking for because it's always about you know improving jobs it's about you know improving social and mental health, reducing the burden to the to of cost to burden to the government et cetera they're the real reasons behind it but well what it does is when they when they fund grants, they fund applications that are new. The more new a new idea that you have, which is outside the box, and they and there are grants out there every so often that the government deliberately puts out there because they've no idea themselves. They've got themselves into an impasse. They've got themselves stuck in the box. Right. Right. And they're looking for ideas. They're looking for uh, organizations and businesses to come forward with a new idea that's going to blast that box and take them onto the next stage of development. That oh, OK, we're going to have to talk <laughs> offline because I got some good ideas on that now. But, you know, how could you apply that same that particular process right there where you're out looking for stuff? That could be applied to the commercial world and to, to the business world as well right what kind yes. of things would i mean because i'm thinking okay what's the new technology that's coming out how do we use it what's the new what are the latest trends where's the business going to be you and i know we've talked about and we haven't done this one yet but because no one's ever asked that was right. one that really opened my eyes i was like oh my gosh because no one's ever asked them and in case you're wondering that's a little teaser for what's coming up in the next few weeks folks um but that one alone i mean what would give me an example of how you would adjust or utilize that in a business context? What give me just pick a few things right now, asking those questions and looking like you would. You said you look for the governments where where are they? You know they're putting grant money out so you can find that because that's what they're interested in. How would that work for business? Okay, I'll give you two examples. Um, one is directly business, and that could be in the area of waste management, sustainability. Yeah, you know, on the global stage, countries are either committing to or not committing to protocols to reduce waste and okay. carbon and all the rest of it, carbon emissions. Okay. Now, you know, publicly, I don't think Australia is, is sort of like committing to certain certain targets, but at home, um, the Australian government and the state governments 
are really, really scoring goals. So they've put out their, you know, they they, they put out their grant funding or or uh, asking people to come or businesses to come forward with new waste reduction type of technologies, recycling. Um, so all of that sort of instead of just sending it to China now, which doesn't happen anymore, all this stuff needs to be reprocessed over here. So there'll be grants available and then people, uh, organizations may even uh, come up with new ideas that have to be uh, patented. Okay. And government loves them because if it's patented, it means nobody else in the world can steal it. Okay. So, 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 um, so that's just an idea of, you know, it's in, in the business, in the business area, which is very strong at the moment. If you've got, um, uh, there's a word for it actually, it's not recycling, but there is, it is about, um, uh, the recycling economy basically so that everything gets used again. Right. You can imagine all that. It's, it's actually, it, it's preserving the environment. It's saving long-term costs. It's saving short-term costs, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's, there's, there's the economic benefit. There's also a social benefit. Now, a few years ago, in a different context, um, the, um, the Australian government, again, um, was looking at new ways of what happens is, is this is to do with youth, not just business. The, 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 the reason I mention it is because if you might be a business that deals with putting people into employment. So you would have qualified uh, alongside the, no, the non-profit type of youth organizations and training providers as well. Now, the government um, saying that was saying that they, there's, a, there's a big problem uh, in that um, if, if you're in, you know, second or third generations of unemployment in your family, you're less likely to find employment uh, in your life. And over a lifetime, there's going to be this cost for, to the state. Okay. So what they want to do is break that cycle. So they, for a couple of years, uh, actually put it out saying, can you come to us with a completely different new idea to break that cycle for a group, you know, for a group, for, for a group of people in your, in your, in your area, young people, 16 right. to 25. So they work, you know, with, so you had businesses and training providers and youth organizations coming forward with their proposals um, and they were, they were getting decent money, you know, but it had to be new. It had to be outside the box thinking because inside the box thinking wasn't working. I like that, especially there you go again with that 16 to 25, those youngins. Yes. <laughs> hint, yeah. hint people, hint, hint. Uh, and we'll get to that in a, in a week or two or maybe three, whenever it is. Just stay tuned here at the Performance Zone because we've got more coming for you. Um, we may want to pick up on a couple of things this this coming up next week as well on, on this because this is – and tell your friends, by the way. Have them come over here. Take a look at this stuff. You never know what kind of favor you might be doing somebody if you just give them – if we they pick up just that one idea from listening to this stuff. And as you can see, my – compatriot here is loaded with different ideas and strategium strategery as we say here in the u.s but some of our former presidents would have said something like that there um can i just can i just before we go on david there no, is absolutely. another one 
again, it's again. I'm just this is Australian examples, not so much American. Um, I can, there probably is going to be versions of ideas. Right, ideas are ideas. One, ideas, of, ideas, one, right. of, one of the key programs that the Australian government has uh, is is called accelerating commercialization. And basically, if you've got a if you've got a product which is new and you've got IP on it, okay, and it can be rolled out across Australia and globally, then the government will help you bring it to market. So in order for it to, in order for it to, um, um, you know, to, to, to be in that state in the, in the first place, it has to have been an original idea because it had to be, had to be original to be patented or intellectual property, copy, you know, copyrighted or whatever it is. So again, you know, outside the thing, outside the box thinking leads to new innovation that will get supported. I like that. That that's an interesting. That's creative. So look for it. It's there, which means sometimes these walls we have, these windows, they're made to be opened and to go through and look outside there. So remember, thinking outside the box when there is no box. That's all on you. The limitations we have are the ones that we set for ourselves. And I think it was. And this is kind of goes along the same thing. We suffer more in our imagination than we do in reality. I think yeah. that was Seneca, right? Because and that imagination is the boxes that we create are imaginary. They're not really there. There's always another level. You can see that in your, it, it's a great way to test it as physically. You can always do a little bit more. I think Ogmandino said that in his uh, greatest salesman in the world. There's always that, those four most powerful words, a little bit more. And when you can do that little bit more, whether it's through physical exercise, right? You can always do one more sit-up. You can always do one more push-up. You can always do, you know, run another 10, 10 meters. And that's fine. You can do that. And then tomorrow, another 10 meters. And tomorrow, another 10 meters. You can do that. With your bank, with your savings, with your financial plan, you can always put a little bit more into savings, a little bit more into savings and be disciplined. Don't touch it. With your business plan, you can create, you can ask. The coolest thing about business and things like that is there's people that you can ask for help. Now, granted, at some level, maybe it's a financial engagement, it's a contract, it's a business, and you're paying for mentoring or coaching or things of that nature. We all have that. But there's also a lot of people who will sit there and just until you get to that point where you need to contract with a mentor or a coach, people love to share their ideas. And sometimes the ideas will be nuts. I'm notified, I'm noted, known for going through a bunch of idea phases and people say, that's the nuttiest thing I ever heard. But once in a while, the nugget comes out. That's how the nuggets come out, right? And you know, put everything out there. And you know what? Usually, it's that little kid in the corner of the room with a stupid idea that's got the million-dollar project, million-dollar, yeah. multi-million-dollar idea. Oh, yeah. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, you know, most of the time, he said, I don't know, but sometimes you are brilliant. And it's not about being brilliant. It's just, I mean, it's about letting the mind go and not having those, just whatever it is, say it. Don't, you know, it could be ego. Ego could be part of the box. I don't want people to think low of me. I don't want them to think I'm silly. I don't want them to think it's a dumb idea. Screw it. It doesn't matter. Get it out. Just, just let it out. They thought Henry Ford, greasy fingers, the people that invested in him thought he was nuts. It worked out okay for Henry Ford. Okay, Edison, they thought he was a Tesla. They thought he was nuts. Now they got, you know, they, they stole his name and they got the electric car working after him, right? It's amazing. And that thing's crazy. It drove my neighbor home from work the other day. 
That's absolutely insane. <laughs> but real quick, Pat, remember, tell them how to find you on whether it's LinkedIn or email. Yeah, how, no, how you can, can find, find me on. You? Yes, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, uh, Patricia Gross. Um, you can find me on email, pat at the community entrepreneur.com. Uh, um, yeah, and you can find me on Facebook on Pat, pat Ross. All right. And with me, send me, if you want to send me a message, go to the performance zone, find me at the, well, the performance zone on Facebook. It's the quickest way right now for that next week. Are we, well, just tune in next week for the, we'll tell you the session. Pat, do you have an idea for next week? Yes. We're going to thinking about selfish abundance. Oh, one of my favorite topics. That was one of those crazy <laughs> ideas that came out, right? In one of our brainstorm rating sessions. So we're going to talk about selfish abundance. That one is going to be a lot of fun. So Without further ado, put everything you have into everything you do because the best is yet to come. We'll see you next week. <laughs>